I'm Brinkley. And I'm Whitney. And this is the Blooming 30s podcast. We are two best friends living long distance that have found connection through marriage, motherhood, and growing in our 20s. Join us in our conversations as we bloom in our 30s. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Today, we're excited because we've been wanting to record this podcast episode for quite some time. So we will dive into that after we do our blooms. Theron finished swim lessons this week and I'm so glad I got he's not even two yet. So he really like wasn't learning how to swim. He was learning how to survive. Um, survive. And I said my one goal is if he can learn to like flow on his back, mm-hmm. that's like what I want out of it. And he did so good. I thought he would hate it. He hates getting his hair wet in the bath. He hates getting sprinklers. Like he's my one kid that like can't handle it, which is weird. My All my other kids were like fish. So definitely new for me. And I was like, he's going to hate it, but he did so good and he can float and roll over. He goes under like no problem. He washes his hair. Like he just wants to show off to everybody. So he's so good. We took him to the pool for the first time yesterday and yeah, he was just like showing off. And I even love it. People stop me to be like, oh my gosh, like how old is he? Like he's already doing that. Like, so it made me feel good. So I love when it works out. Yeah, that's so good. We just got back from the circus, like literally right before we started recording. Oh, my gosh. I had no like plans to go. It was a very last minute decision. And I booked this yesterday. So just really trying to like lean into that spontaneity that I really want to be better at. It was so fun. And I feel like it's one of those moments where I could just watch my kids watching the show and be so happy. We're talking about birth stories today. I'm going to share all four of my birth stories, but we really wanted to make Whitney's fourth baby, Mm -hmm. Theron, a separate podcast episode. So Whitney will only be sharing three of her kids, even though she has four and she loves them all the same. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be safe for another episode. And I'm really excited for that one. I think that one's going to be really special. And so much of her stories that she's even going to share on this episode leads up to why she made decisions for Theron's birth. Mm -hmm. And so I think you guys are going to love to hear that too. I'm so excited to share that one. It was funny. We were planning on when we were doing that one and Michael overheard and was like, I want to share, I want to be on that one. Like I want to share, like we both just like loved it so much and just like want to shout it from the rooftop. We talk about birth all the time and I feel like in general, women's births get better because the Mm -hmm. more you know, the better you you do. We always say that. Mine did not go that way. So Mine got worse. Okay, so why don't you take it away? We're going to go in order. All of Whitney's kids, except for Theron, are older than mine. So we're going to go in birth order, which I think is going to be really fun. So first is Milan. I feel like it's hard because a lot of what happens in my births, like I don't stand by now. But I have taken a lot of time to like heal and accept with like, this is like what I knew best at this time, you know, and like, that's okay. And like, there was a while that I was really hard on myself for choices I made. So I was convinced that Milan was going to come early. I was measuring extremely large with her. And I was like five, six weeks ahead on my belly and through ultrasounds. Like I kept getting growth ultrasounds because they were just like, she's huge. Like I'm not a giant person. So I was like, I'm going to birth a 10 pounder. And I had reason to believe it because Michael was 10 pounds. All of my mom's kids were early and my sister's baby was early. So I was thinking I'm going to go early because it's in my genetics and she's huge. I flew my brother out. He was going to be my birth photographer. And so I flew him out 
And I think I was 36 weeks at the time. I flew him out because I was that convinced that she was. That's like me flying you out with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just my advice, never fly somebody out because then you realize, no, I'm good. (laughs) I didn't know. And I was very impatient. And I remember like feeling really bad that he was there and no shade to him. But like he was like, do this, do that, do this, do that. Like, let's get it going. You know, like I think we all were. And I think I was in that mode for a while. And then I think I just kind of got really sick of it. I did not want to do castor oil. And like everyone kept Mm. bringing up castor oil. Even though, guys, I was not even overdue. Homegirl was crazy because you were out here running bleachers. I don't even know how your body let you do that. (laughs) I have never, ever in my life worked out as hard as I did those three (laughs) weeks of my life. I ran bleachers. I ran miles. I went on nonstop hikes. I walked around my neighborhood nonstop. It was so miserable. Every single day I got up thinking, what can I do? I'm going to go get a pedicure. I'm going to go eat spicy food. Like I'm going to do all the wives tells. And literally it wasn't doing anything except probably prolonging it. At my 36 weeks appointment, they checked my cervix and I was zero. And at 37 weeks, I was like three. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's working. Spoiler alert, she did not come early. This is one of those decisions that I like look back on and I'm like, why did I do that? Like I regret my choice, but I kind of like pressured them into inducing me because I think I was just so miserable and like so convinced that she was going to come early. And I have something called Carrie that we want to do a whole episode on. I think I had like almost just convinced myself that I was having Chiari symptoms to get them mm. to induce me. And so I remember like going and into how many my, weeks were you? At I was 39, point? 39. So okay. I was 39 and a half. So like I went to my 39 week appointment and I like wasn't any more dilated. And I remember like requesting another appointment. So I was like almost to my due date. And I remember going in being like, I need to be seen. I'm having lots of lightheadedness. I'm really dizzy. Uh, girl, it was from running bleachers nonstop. You were running all day, every day. <laughs> <Get> down. <laughs> so, but I convinced myself, I was like, I am not doing okay. Like, I'm so exhausted. Like, I'm dizzy. It's my carry. My blood pressure was really high one of the checkups, but probably because I was stressing <laughs> myself out. I did it to myself. My blood pressure is high. And I was two days before my due date. So I was basically a full turn. Yeah. And they were like, okay, let's go get you induced tonight. And I was like, oh my gosh, it worked. Like I was so <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, we're doing it. And so I was so swollen. Like if you look at my pictures, like, and I know it was not because of pregnancy. Like I know it was because I was killing Working myself. Working on the humidity. Yeah. Yes. We go home and I remember stopped at Five Guys on our way. <laughs> and oh, I nice. took a picture in front of Five Guys of my last bump picture. And I was like, we're going in. We get in. And like I said, I was already dilated to like three. They hooked me up and started me on Pitocin. And I remember turning on The Bachelor in Paradise. So that was like 730. My mom got there at like 830. I remember I watched like two minutes of Bachelor in Paradise before I was like, um, these are like real bad. Yeah. yeah like I can't yeah. focus. And they had just started Pitocin really. Like because Pitocin is of the is devil. The devil. It yeah. really, really is. I think honestly, they thought I'm a first time mom. And I was in a military hospital, which just like are kind of known for not being that great. The nurses were just really rude. If you've ever seen Grey's Anatomy, I had Christina Yang as my nurse, which just, no compassion. <laughs> no, she was so blunt and like rude and cold. Anytime I would try to ask something like she just gave me like nothing to work with. So I already like didn't feel comfortable. I remember rolling over and I had pillows between my legs and they were asking me like do you want the epidural and I was like Mm. no like not yet and they were like okay like here is another drug I don't even remember what it's called but it basically is an IV drug it's a pain medicine 
and it just goes through your IV. It kind of helps take the edge off of it. And so I was like, sure, I'll do that for now. Does not take the edge off of it. It makes you so loopy. I regret taking it because I felt like I was so drugged and out of it, but like still in so much pain, but like I couldn't move to like help myself. And all I remember is I have a video of Michael recording me and I'm talking about circus animals. I'm literally (laughs) like talking about circus animals. Like I was that out of it. So I was having a ton of back labor. So I came out of that IV drug like pretty quickly because it really only lasted like 30, 45 minutes. There was a lady next to us screaming bloody murder. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, like, and you could tell like I was kind of freaked out. And my nurse was like, don't worry, like no one does that. Like she's being like extreme. Jokes on her. I was way worse. (laughs) So so at this point, it's like, I don't, I have like no sense of time, whatever. Like I've completely blocked out. The pain is so bad. It's all in my back. So at this point, yeah, I'm just like completely checked out of my body in so much pain. I asked for the epidural. I remember the anesthesiologist coming in and he was like, okay, well, I just went over your chart and you're going to be far-fetched to find an anesthesiologist that's going to give you an epidural. I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, like why no, no one told you this before no labor? Everyone yeah. knew I had Carrie. Like everyone knew. My doctors knew. Crazy. He was like, I, I don't know a single anesthesiologist in this hospital that will give you one. And I was like, okay, th- this is what I said. I was like, okay, take me to the C-section. Put me out. Take me to the C-section. Like I'm done. Oh my God. I'm at my limit. Like I can't do this yeah. anymore. I don't remember this at all. But Michael took the nurse out to the hallway and s- said, she doesn't want that. Like she doesn't want to be put out for a C-section because I-, I knew that I had to be put out for a C-section if I had to have a c-section and he was like she doesn't want that like doesn't matter what she says and obviously i don't think they're just going to give you a c-section because you're asking for one (laughs) but as soon as the anesthesiologist left my body went into a panic attack now being told i can't have the epidural and my pitocin's cranked up to max level i think they turned it up to max level because i think they thought she's a first time mom she's going to be here all night i remember like my mom's face like just getting really really close to me breathe you have to breathe i was turning purple they were putting oxygen masks on me because i was panicking and in shock next not me sitting here with my eyes the size of quarters and I've heard (laughs) this story (laughs) so many times I'm sure I was screaming like I don't have any like memory of what I was doing with my body besides just laying there looking at the ceiling tiles and my eyelids like rolling back and then all of a sudden I remember saying like I can't do this I don't want to do this and like I remember if another one was coming like another contraction because they were literally one second after each other. I got absolutely no break from the Pitocin. I just remember like one would tail end and I could feel another one coming. And I just remember being like, I don't want one. I don't want one. I don't want one. Like, please like make it stop holding my breath and like them shoving the oxygen in me. I went up on my elbow and I was like, something is wrong. And my mom was what? And I was like, I don't know. Something is wrong. And they looked down and I was crowning. I have no idea what I was doing, obviously, to push. The doctor wasn't in there. So they bring the doctor in. But I remember the nurses saying, don't push. Like, you can't have the baby without the doctor. And I'm like, literally hate when they say this i i mean the baby is there your body just pushes like Like, it's just there so i remember my mom and michael literally like propping me up with their hands like behind my head because i was so out of it just like from pain and like shock the doctor comes in all i remember is he literally just like sat down and then like handed me up the baby like i literally don't remember pushing i remember i got lidocaine shots which Mm -hmm. was the worst part oh because i stitching because yeah he gave me an episiotomy it's something i'm so bitter about now because i mean when he came in i was crowning and not pushing i obviously did not need 
an episiotomy. No. She was coming out just fine on her own. Yeah, he cut me and then he stitched me up. And so he gave me the lidocaine shots. And I remember that being the worst part. I remember they set her on my chest. She looked just like Michael, literal clone. It's so sad, but I like really don't remember much of that at all. I wanted to mention too, another frustrating part of you having to get an episiotomy, Milan's size. Yes. She was six pounds, eight ounces. No. Not huge. Like everyone told me my entire pregnancy, every single appointment, they made such a big deal about how giant she was. She was my smallest baby. It's super frustrating looking back. It really screws you over for future births. Every single birth has screwed you over. I don't remember much that day because she was born at like 1130 at night and then we just crashed. But I remember waking up the next morning being like, oh my gosh. I just remember being like, I cannot believe women do this like all the time. Like it's nothing. And then they just go back into the world like nothing happened. Like at the time, I don't feel like I felt like it was traumatic. I felt like such a badass. I felt on top of the world. How could you not? did that. September 10th. 10th. Mm -hmm. So I was due September 12th. And I had her September 10th. Awful first experience. I'm grateful that I don't feel like the trauma hit me until a ways later. I was on yeah. a high for a really long time, even with how bad it went. Milan Lucille. Milan Lucille She's Fox. so cute. Her little name. We were talking about like city names. That would be cute names. I remember saying Milan. And my maiden name is French. And I remember thinking Milan French is a really cool name. Like that'd be yeah. so pretty. Obviously, I knew that wasn't going to be your name. But then when we got pregnant, I remember bringing up Milan to Michael and he like wasn't super on board. So we came up with like a bunch of other name ideas. She was going to be named Marlo. And I remember I told my brother like, oh, we've settled on a name. Like her name's going to be Marlo. And he was like, oh, like what about Milan? You've loved that name for years. And I was like, I know, but Mike Michael's not on board. And Michael was like, wait, I kind of like that now and I was like okay we'll switch to that name but then we did Lucille because I decided to like give a little bit of like a tribute to my maiden name being French and give her a French name so that's where Lucille I love it all right you want to share Parley's dream birth maybe I would have had lower expectations if hers didn't go so dang good but my expectations were lowered as the births went on (laughs) they kept getting lower and lower Harley was born October 6th. 2014. Harley was due end of October. I, for whatever reason, have a history of having my kids early. We don't know why, but it just happened that way. I went to my 36-week appointment, really had zero expectations because I knew like first-time mom, I was dilated to a two and I was 50% effaced. And I remember just being on cloud nine that day. A friend of mine said, that was me. And then I had my baby a week later and I was like, I'm going to have her a week later. So excited. So I remember that whole week just prepping, packing the bags. My house was spotless every single day. And then we get to that weekend. We spent that weekend at my mom's. I got just this wave of sadness and I Mm. sobbed our whole drive home. I was just like, I just want her here. I want to meet her. And Cameron was like, you're crazy. Like, it's fine. You're only 37 weeks. It was a Sunday night and I had work the next day. I was a dental assistant at the time. I took a shower and laid out my scrubs for the next day. And then I sat down. My mom sent us home with cinnamon rolls that she had made that weekend, heated one up, and I sat down on the couch and put on a movie to just kind of chill for the rest of the night. I was sitting, literally, I'm sitting exactly like this right now, which is so funny, but (laughs) basically like my legs just completely out like a V shape and the remote was on the ground. And I remember I bent over to grab it to turn the volume up on the TV and I hear this click and a gush of water. I 
freaked out. And I remember panicking. I think Cameron was in another room and I just jumped up and I was screaming like, oh my, my water just broke. Cameron, my water just broke. Like I was freaking out. I was so excited. I remember not knowing that that meant like go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dying so, because I literally drove around with a trash bag on my car seat for a month because I was convinced you did. it's going to break. It never has. <laughs> That's awesome your water breaking is like the best way to go into labor in my opinion. Like the fact that you don't have to second guess, you don't have to sit and count contractions or like, oh my gosh, the contractions went away. They slowed down. Like it's just the best because like, you know, you have to deliver. Like it's just awesome. It's happening. No going back. I was running around my house, just picking up and Cam had a moment. He like came over to me, put his hands on my shoulders and he was like, chill. It's going to be fine just because That's the house so is ready. Yeah, it's so him. I mean, thank the high heavens that he's that way because I need that so bad. I had to change my pants because I had soaked through them. One of us called the hospital and one of us called my mom. I literally called the hospital because I like wanted permission to go there. <laughs> I didn't need it, but I didn't know what I was doing. But yeah, we drove. The hospital was super close to our house. I remember they grabbed a wheelchair as soon as I got there because I said, my water's broke. I'm leaking everywhere. And they grabbed me a wheelchair. And that was the first moment that I was like, this is happening. I'm in a freaking wheelchair. (laughs) I'm legit pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm legit pregnant. Her labor, there's not a ton to say about hers. I remember getting all hooked up in my room. I remember the contractions picked up pretty immediately because like, I said, my labor started with my water breaking. I remember when I was still back at the house, my back started hurting pretty bad, but we got to the hospital that night. It was like seven ish. I did get an epidural with her. I will say my one thing that does make me sad about her labor is my epidural was very strong and I didn't know any different at the time. But when I delivered Paxton is when I really learned like, oh, this is how much better it can be. Like, Mm -hmm. I want that every time I couldn't scooch myself up in the bed. I felt like I was a 500 pound elephant in that bed. So Cam and the nurse would literally lift my legs for me. I I had a peanut ball most of that labor. Um, So switching sides and like having my legs on the peanut ball, I could not do anything on my own. I know when I got my epidural, I was a four. I remember kind of being hard on myself for that one. I expected to be farther along when I got my epidural, but the contractions, like I couldn't, I just needed it. I feel like happy that I like listened to myself in the moment, just doubting myself in like not allowing myself to believe that I was strong and like I could do yeah. it. I do remember my mom saying my face went pale, like white as a ghost mm. when I had a contraction. And she was like really the one advocating, like she needs her epidural, like call him in, like it's time. I was glad for that because Cam is like way more of a calming force and like wouldn't have like said like, okay, call yeah. someone in, it's time for her epidural, you know? So yeah. it was nice to have the balance of the two. I labored literally all night long. I ended up pushing for two hours with her, <laughs> which oh was my so gosh. hard. Luckily, they weren't consecutive. I pushed for an hour, like practice pushes with the nurse, took an hour break and then pushed again. I don't think I would have pushed as long if I wasn't as numb, but I just yeah. couldn't feel anything. So, yeah. so numb. That second hour is when like real progress happened. And she was born at 823 in the morning. She was seven pounds, seven ounces, which for a 37, I was 37 weeks and two days when I delivered her. So seven pounds, seven ounces, like it's wild. All of my babies have been really big for their gestation. We really learned that I just delivered early and our babies just grew really well in the womb, which was a blessing. Nice and healthy. What time did your water break at night and then you had her at 830? She was like a 13 hour labor. 
Yeah. Okay. My recovery with her was really simple and easy. I don't have a lot of complaints. I had a first degree tear with her. So I had two stitches. I think I was just so young. And like, obviously, I didn't really tear that much that I I didn't bleed for very long. And I felt just fine. I remember I was devastated, though, because when I got home, I bled on my brand new rocking chair. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. it was white fabric so we learned to lay towels down wherever I sat Um, recovery was good but the sad thing about our hospital stay was Parley had pretty bad jaundice and yeah nurseries were a thing and so they took her to the nursery she was under lights to try to get all that bilirubin out of her system and my rule was every three hours for 15 minutes, you can come in and feed her. But Mm. other than that, she has to be on this bed of lights. Oh, sad. It was really hard because I remember I walked in and she's just in a little diaper and she has just like eye protection on and she's just laying there. And it was like really gut-wrenching to like see my baby laying like that. It gave me a lot of compassion like immediately for moms who go through so much worse and their babies are in the NICU and like IV in their head and like hooked up to so much stuff. Like I can't even imagine that because this alone was really hard for me to like Mm -hmm. not be able to touch her and like that happen. But I knew it was what was best for her. Kind of went downhill really fast. And this is where I really, really had to learn how to advocate for myself because I would go in, I would set my timer and be so excited. I get to hold my baby. I get to breastfeed her. Like I'm so excited. And I would go in and they would tell me like they gave her a bottle. And so like she wasn't hungry and she also learned like really early on, like how easy it is to suck from a bottle. And so our breastfeeding journey was just really hard for me. And I tried like, I tried nipple shields to try to like simulate a bottle's nipple and it was really sad, but I, I didn't say anything to them. I just was so grateful that she was being taken care of and I didn't want anything to go wrong. And like, mm-hmm. if I said something rude and so I just kept quiet and that is something I wish that I yeah. vocalized more and said like, I am breastfeeding her. That is my choice. Like yeah. do not give her a bottle, yeah. but I didn't I do am that. the boss here and it's hard to feel yeah. that way as a first time mom. Totally. And I was 21. I mean, I was a baby yeah. having a baby. I really knew nothing. I remember I like never really got engorged with her. Like my milk just like never really came in with her but overall she's just been a dream since day one and that's my little parley girl her name i'll share her name really quick my mom talked about that name a ton when i was like maybe high school maybe junior high but i remember for sure high school and she mentioned it a lot so it was kind of one of those names that stuck with me for so many years and when i met cam i told him i want to have a baby girl and i want to name her parley i wanted my first baby to be a girl so bad i grew up with all brothers so i just craved girls so bad. And Parley's name is the one name that Cam never was like, oh, I don't know. Like, let's look at other ones. He, he was like, right yeah, loved. Aww. Yeah. Loved it. Bryn. My middle name is Jocelyn. My dad's mom passed away before I was born and her name was Joyce Evelyn. And so my parents combined those names to Jocelyn to kind of pass down her legacy. I never met my grandma. I kind of wanted to do the same. Cameron's mom passed away before I met him. And obviously Parley didn't meet either. So we kind of wanted to carry on that little tradition and didn't really have like a good combo that we could do with her first and middle name. But with my name and her first name, her name was Lynn. We combined it for Bryn for her Mm, just to kind of pass down the tradition. She's my little Parley Bryn. My next kid is Phoebe Ray. I don't feel like I really like processed Milan's birth until I became pregnant with Phoebe. As soon as I became pregnant with Phoebe, it was like 
my body remembered and like it hit me oh you have to do that again by the way anytime I would like watch other people's birth stories or like read their stories like I would get really sad mine didn't go that way like they like share like this like really calming special serene experience and like I just remember being like really sad like mine was torture like it was awful Mm -hmm. just so scared I would be terrified so scared I had moved at this point so we were living in Virginia at this point I did a lot of research on doctors which I didn't do with my first like I think I just like went into whoever could get me in soonest went to one with like a ton of awards and like really really good reviews and I did really really like him and I was super upfront with him about how my birth went and I was really upfront with him that I had Chiari and all this stuff during the pregnancy with Phoebe I went and actually saw a neurologist and like brought all my medical records and met with him and my anesthesiologist which they should have done with my first but no one did. Both of them kind of agreed. Yeah, safest route would be no epidural. I said, okay, like as long as I like know that beforehand, like, okay, I can deal. So I went into like full-blown prep mode. There was a girl that I went to junior high with in Utah. I remember her through Facebook seeing that she worked as a labor and delivery nurse at our local hospital. And I'm in Virginia now. And I remember seeing that she worked there. And so I remember Facebook messaging her and being like, hey, this is so random. The way it like I help my anxiety is like knowledge. Like I just need to know like as much as I can about this hospital like what are their policies for this like what's the policy for this medicine like what about this like am I allowed to do this that really really helped me it was nearing the end and I was pretty adamant like I didn't want to get induced like I wanted to just go in on my own my mom ended up booking a trip to go out of the country five days after my due date that sounds dumb that like I really wanted my mom there but like she was such a big help with Milan's birth and the idea of not having her there gave me so much anxiety because she was so so helpful and so I was kind of faced with okay like do I pray I go into labor beforehand or do I induce it so we decided to induce I went into my 37 week appointment almost like to a t exactly what happened 36 I was zero 37 I was four centimeters and a hundred percent effaced. And so my doctor, I remember him literally saying like, I'll see you back here anytime. That went right to my head. And I'm like, yeah, you will. Yeah. I'll be back here tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm sure I will. I had not done nearly as much as I did with Milan, but I did like, we went out after he told me that. And like, we went to like a park and I walked a lot and I was baby wearing Milan actually. Like I have a picture and people probably thought Michael was the biggest douchebag because here I am like so pregnant, baby wearing Milan. Shocker, I didn't go back into labor. My type A personality love. This is the day I got induced early in the morning. And so the whole day before, like I knew it was my last day with Milan. And so like we made a really special day with her and like just soaked that all up. And I really loved being able to do that. I forgot to mention once my water broke with Milan, it was extremely fast with her. I had her like an hour later. And so my thought was, I would like to just break my water and Mm -hmm. see if that would trigger labor to start. So my doctor came in at 7.30, broke my water, and we gave it an hour to see like if anything happened. Nothing happened. I felt literally nothing. I remember being so scared for him to break my water. I thought it was going to be so painful. It literally, I felt nothing. He broke my water. It almost feels nothing. good. It like releases yeah. the tension like, in your like, belly. <laughs> like you can breathe. Yeah. Wasn't having really any contractions at that point. That was at 8.40. 8.45, they came back in and I was like, okay, we can start Pitocin, but like we're going to start out on the 
lowest dose the hospital has. And normally with Pitocin, they come in and up it every two hours. And so I said, I want to check it every two hours. Like you check with me, like, do you want me to up it? And like, I will Mm -hmm. tell you if I want to up it or not, not just advocating for yourself. That really helped. And so they came in 845, turned it on. It was really low. The contraction started once they turned on the Pitocin and they were coming about every three minutes at this point. So once they came, they came pretty quick and my water was they broken, were there. so they were pretty intense. At 10.30, they checked me and I was six centimeters. And so I was like, sweet, that's pretty good. And I was still doing yeah. like extremely well pain-wise, smiling and happy. Like I was having conversations. I remember I had a birth playlist and it's funny because my playlists have like changed each birth. It was all like women empowerment, pump up. That's music. awesome. It was like workout yeah. pump music. No, no relaxing, nothing. I want to say it was adult playing. I don't like fire to the rain or something like that and I just remember that playing and like just feeling like oh my gosh I'm in a six and I'm freaking crushing it like I'm doing good like I'm not like I yeah I'm in pain but like it's okay my nurse was that was girl her? that I had Facebook messaged yes that Such I went a small to junior world. high with I know she walked in and she was like I saw your name on the and like requested and she was so sweet and so nice I remember there was one point this is so TMI guys my stomach hurts but like not contractions hurt like I need to go to the bathroom this is so so dumb and I'm still like bitter about it they wouldn't let me walk around which is dumb because I didn't have an epidural so I couldn't so get out of bed and what was the reason because my water was broken big whoop like people's water breaks at home all the time I remember being like I have to go to the bathroom and they were like okay but like you have to use a bedpan no You're like I can walk kidding. like I'm fully capable like so I made Michael and like everyone leave obviously they gave me a bedpan like most dehumanizing experience yeah ever that's horrible and I mean it was like labor poop so I mean like (laughs) real stuff you know and I just remember being so embarrassed and like it like literally like stalled my labor because they like they came back in and I was like putting essential oils everywhere (laughs) I remember joking with her like we're gonna have this baby by lunchtime and she was like "Mm, okay it was like 10 30 I was like can you imagine that'd be crazy because Milan's was like pretty fast for a first time but I was also like cranked up on Pitocin so like who knows oh yeah I don't think you mentioned Milan's was it was about How six long? hours, but I was still like doing good when I said this to her at like 1030. Like I was still coping like really great at 11 o'clock. I remember I asked to be checked, um, which I had just gotten checked at 1030. So it was only like 30 minutes, but I like could tell things were moving. And I remember asking to be checked and I was at a nine. My distinction between regular labor and transition is so distinct. And I know that about me now. Like it's so yeah. clear as day. It's like literally like a coin flip and I enter into, into transmission. Transmission. Transition. <laughs> Guys, it's really late. I think they still kind of thought it was going to be a minute, but I remember I got up on my hands and knees and I remember being like so grateful that I could do that because I didn't do anything with Milan. Like I literally just laid there and panicked the whole time. Like I don't remember like moving my limbs at all, even though I wasn't numb. But I remember being so grateful that I could move. I remember using like the squat bar a lot and I got up on my hands and knees. I have a video of this part and it's still kind of hard for me to watch because it's so embarrassing. But like also I love it. Start getting the sensation that I'm going to puke, which is transition. So they give me a bag. I never do puke. I just feel like I'm going to puke and I like kind of gag. My mom, I remember her like looking down there and being like oh my gosh I see hair I like flipped back over to lay down on my back and there's no doctor there like she's crowning and she's coming out like real fast Michael's he was I think like massaging my feet finally makes his way up to like my neck and I have this on video I'll have to share it because it's so funny I see him like appear 
I grab his head and just yank him down into my like <laughs> chest area, like so forcefully. And I just hold him there and I'm like, oh, like holding him like into my neck. And he has like cuts all over his necks for a bit. Like he, I was holding him so hard and he just takes it. He's just like face down. Finally, the freaking doctor comes in, just all calm, cool and collected when a baby's like half out of me. And I remember them all like freaking out and like trying to get everything ready because they like hadn't even brought the baby tray in yet because I think they just thought it was going to be much longer. I had the ring of fire. I did not have the ring of fire with Milan. It literally felt like someone took a blowtorch to my badge. Like it was mm. hot. You can hear me say in the video, like it's so hot, like just mm -hmm. my badge. Like I wasn't sweaty or anything, but I was like, it burns. I was tearing with her. Out she came like in literally like two seconds. I remember they put her on my chest and like the first thing I remember I, I think I said was like she's so huge like she's a big girl. <laughs> she, she wasn't like but no, like Milan was, was so tiny and then yeah. I don't, they never said anything about her being big. Threw me off how much chunkier she was than Milan and she was so round and she had so much freaking hair like she, it looked like she was wearing a wig. It really completely did like a wig. A wig like a yeah. straight wig. Yeah. And she looked completely yeah. different than Milan. It was just like so magical and I remember thinking like oh my gosh like I feel great like I was lucid that whole time like I'm here like I'm awake. She was born at 11.15 so she was 7 pounds 11 ounces which isn't even a big baby but I just remember thinking like she's so chunky. It wasn't the worst pain imaginable like yeah. Milan's was. How was recovery? I did tear my scar tissue. I remember just feeling like great. Breastfeeding was really hard for her. She was such a good and happy baby, but she was also very sleepy. She wouldn't latch yeah. because she was so sleepy. So postpartum, like breastfeeding was really, really hard for her. Other than that, like my physical healing was so good. It was good. amazing. I just remember we when we came home, I had two big blooming trees in my front yard and I thought it was like so magical to come home to that it was just such a healing experience like all together her name is Phoebe Ray I was like that's such a cute name I remember bringing it up to Michael and Michael's a little bit older than me and he was like no it, I just think of friends like that's all I see mm. and I was like okay like and so we dropped it but then we had a really really hard time coming up with anything else I was like 35 weeks pregnant and had no name for her so the only one that like I really remember being like well like this is the only one we can like settle on was Malia I just like I kept holding on to the Phoebe because Phoebe Fox how cute is that I loved the alliteration love he came around towards the end and then her middle name is Ray which is Michael's mom's middle name and we always joke that she's just like I know isn't it did you not know that no no, I thought you just picked Ray just because you liked it. No, the only one that I just picked because it's cute is Del. I'm such a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is Michael's mom's middle name. So, cute. but we always joke because she's our, our ray of sunshine and she always has she is. been such a good little ray. Well, and so funny that she's got Michael's mom's middle name, but looks so oh, much like your mom. French. Now we're getting into my little boy, Paxton Joseph, his story I loved. So this will be the last one. <laughs> Just kidding. I shouldn't say <laughs> the last that. one. That was good. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, my two little girls were great in their own ways, but really hard births. His birth was so special to me, mainly because it was really the one where I was like, yes, like I feel so good about myself. I feel so empowered. Like I did that at 36 weeks. I was dilated to three and a half centimeters and 70% effaced. So we were assuming that he would come early. A couple days later, I woke up with the most insane headache I've ever, ever, ever had. Like just pounding. It hurts so bad. I just woke up feeling awful. Mm. And I was kind of hoping like, oh, does this mean something? Like, am I in labor? Yeah. That um, last like few weeks, like literally you can like, you think anything funny and you're like, oh, <laughs> 
this is a sign. Yeah, I had that really bad headache. I remember sending Cameron off to work and I just had Parley. She was one years old. And I remember just trying to go about the day, but the headache was so awful. And I was keeping him and my mom kind of updated and some of my brothers because the plan was like my brothers were going to come and watch Parley so that my mom could be. So I was kind of keeping everybody in the loop. And it was so funny because I remember Cameron took off work. My mom took off work. My brother took off work. And I would... I felt this pressure, like, yeah. you better be now in labor, girl. Like, yeah. yeah, now it has to be today. Everyone took off work. I remember mopping the floors, and that's really where I felt contractions, and it mm-hmm. started picking up for me. They were still coming when I was resting, but I still was just so scared that it was going to stop, slow down. Everybody at this point had taken off and were over at the house. This was before I ever used a contraction app to time my contractions. So I was just documenting the time on the notes app on my phone. Yes. I don't even know if they had contraction apps back then. Maybe they didn't. I remember next to one, I put that like bomb emoji, like the firecracker Mm -hmm. firework emoji because it was my first like, whoa, like that was big. Like it was my Mm -hmm. first one that I was like, wow. I wasn't super sick with either of my first two babies, but with Paxton's pregnancy, I was very put off by any red meat. I couldn't take it. And then on the way to the hospital, I was like, I need a burger and I really? need it now. Like I was craving it so bad. But yeah, we got to the hospital. They checked me in triage. I was at a five and I was so excited. I could not believe I was at a five. I got an a f- epidural at a four with Parley. So yeah. I remember I was in triage for a while because they couldn't get a hold of my doctor. So I was just kind of stuck in triage waiting for basically permission to be admitted to the hospital. Mm. I remember I was ticked. I was like, I'm dilated to a five and you need permission. Admit me. Yeah, like Like, with active contractions. Kind of a funny like part of the story. I was in triage and the nurse was trying to give me my IV and she was smacking gum, bubble gum. So freaking loud. And I was not in the mood. They had just checked me. I knew I was at a five. Like I knew like it's go time. Like I just don't want any distractions in this gum. And she couldn't get the IV in. So she had stuck Uh. me multiple times. By this point, I am dripping sweat. I am burning hot. Because I had been stuck a million times while having contractions. I felt a change and I was like, someone check me now. They checked me and I was at a seven Mm. and I was like, oh my gosh. I don't need permission. I wasn't even, I know. Well, yeah, I wasn't even excited at this point. I was ticked. I was like, one, I don't need freaking permission. Get me in there. Two, I'm at a seven. I progressed from a five to a seven in minutes. If I don't get an epidural now... I'm going to deliver this baby with no epidural. And that was not something I wanted. You make sure that anesthesiologist is waiting for me in my room. And I remember saying that. And I was like, who am I to say that about an anesthesiologist? They are so busy. Get him in there now. But I didn't care. I was like, I want him in there before me so that he's ready to go. Another doctor from the same practice was there. Um, And so he was going to basically deliver me with how fast it was going. But yeah, I made it to my room. I got my epidural. It was wonderful. It was the best epidural ever, ever, ever because I could feel everything I needed to without dying. And it was perfect because I, when it was pushing time, I knew exactly when to do it. They didn't have to tell me. I remember when I was in the delivery room, the doctor was Dr. Bickley. Anyone listening is from Arizona, like, you know who he is. But I remember he came in, he was like, Bickley for Brinkley. Like, he was just so cute and like positive and made me feel so happy. And he didn't even end up delivering Paxton. My doctor made it. Paxton came out 
so fast, like a couple pushes and he was out. Um, he was an ounce shy of eight pounds, <laughs> like at 36 weeks. He was so big. But yeah, he was born May 27th at 524. I did tear my scar tissue with him. So I got oh. two stitches with him. And I remember when he came out, he was just screaming like so loud. And I remember looking at his mouth and going like, his mouth is so big. It was so funny because he was such a great latcher. Like he was mm. my best breastfeeder. His name, Paxton, one of my good friends from childhood has a brother named Paxton. And I remember just latching onto that name forever ago. I loved the name. I thought it was so cute. Joseph, we like to stick with family names for the middle names. And Joseph is after Cameron's grandpa. We wanted to kind of carry on his legacy. So that's our little boy. I'll share my, not my last baby, but my last story that I'll be sharing on this. So my third with Della from the very beginning, I was planning a home birth. We had moved to Utah at this point. And in North Carolina, home birth is actually illegal. And still is to this day. So we were in Utah and the unmedicated birth world. There's much more resources and opportunities out here. And so from the second I was pregnant with her, I really wanted to do a home birth. Michael wasn't crazy on board with the idea at first. He was open to a birth center. My midwife was great. Like she was just like a cozy grandma. So as soon as he met her, like he just... I think felt really good and safe and you know they had a perfect answer for everything like they know what they're doing so I saw her throughout my pregnancy and like I had obviously gone over my previous births with her and like what I really wanted from this birth I had actually hired a doula for this birth um, which was my first birth that I had hired a doula for. Everything went really smooth with her up until my anatomy scan. They found a growth on my placenta. They just said, there's a cyst Mm. on your placenta. We're going to keep an eye on it. My fundal height of my belly was considerably ahead each appointment, which is one of the things that they were told to look out for for this growth because then that obviously meant the growth could be growing. Went back in and had several more growth ultrasounds. Della was measuring big, but I also had this big growth that also kept growing. And it was like right where the umbilical cord like attaches to the placenta so like right next to that it got to the point I think I was like 35 weeks 35 or 36 weeks and it got to the point that they were like okay like it's pretty big I'm not really comfortable with it is basically what my midwife said and I feel like if my midwife would have been like it's no big deal like I'm confident like this doesn't change anything I would have felt that but because she was so unnerved by it and like I don't know obviously then I was like well I don't want to do it if you don't know. This is where my doula really, really came in handy. She had a doctor that she was like, I really recommend him. Like, he's great. Because also now I'm like, I'm 35 weeks in a home birth transfer. Doctors probably hate me. I saw several different doctors. That whole time was just like doctor appointment after doctor appointment. After. But I had seen so many that I went to this one by myself. Michael normally went to them with me, but I thought this one was just like no big deal. And I was seeing a new doctor. It was one last one that Another midwife, not my midwife, another midwife said, this is who we send most of ours to for second opinions. So I had both girls with me, which at the time they were babies, chaos in a doctor's appointment. This doctor, he's actually lost his license since then. So that just kind of gives you a context to like how awful he was. He came in and had like zero bedside manner, did an ultrasound for literally two seconds. I don't even think he could physically look at anything that fast. And he says, I think you should do the shot basically genetic testing on your baby because of this growth. And he said, the only time I've ever seen anything like this is with babies with Down syndrome. And I think you need to switch to Utah Valley. They have the higher level NICU. And the only time I've ever seen this is either Down syndrome babies or placental cancer. What? I'm 36 weeks at this point. 
And now you're telling me she possibly could have Down syndrome or I have cancer. Like, and I've seen how many other specialists that never have mentioned this. And then he just like sent me on my way. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, even if she does have Down syndrome, like they've checked her heart, they've checked her lungs, they've checked her brain. Like she's fine everywhere else. Like she's healthy. Like, does she really need like intense high level NICU? Like she'll be healthy. It was just an awful appointment. I just remember like, calling Michael like sobbing being like he just basically told me I have cancer or the baby has down syndrome like those are the only two reasons that this could be happening oh my gosh and literally would lose my mind I remember I like blocked his calls because he kept trying to call back to be like are you cu- are you switching to my practice like am I going to be your OB now and I just remember being like no like I got no good vibes from you so I had seen another doctor the one that my doula had recommended in this time we went to him and was basically like okay my midwife's not confident like so like here I am basically I can't even explain like how good of a doctor he was my first appointment was like two and a half hours long with him that doesn't happen with OBs like you are normally in and out he gave me his cell phone number and was basically like you can text this number like you can call like whenever like you're feeling because I obviously was a hot mess like anxiety wise I was so nervous so scared remember I told my doula two main goals for this birth I said I don't want to scream and I don't want to be induced. I screamed, but I didn't get induced. <laughs> so I was expecting to go late with her because I was like, I'm not getting induced. I was really, really nervous about not making it because the new doctor that I went to was 45 minutes away from me, which was a gamble because he was so far and I have fast births. It was worth it for me to drive that far for a really good one. I was expecting to go late because obviously I was induced with both my other girls basically on their due date. My mom lived in Virginia at the time and I lived in Utah. So she was planning on coming out, but she was planning on coming out like 40 weeks because I thought I would go late, you know, and I'd rather have her there for after the birth than before. I don't even remember why, but I like vividly remember being like, I think you should come out earlier. But I remember going to my 38 week appointment and just being like, maybe you should come out, even though like nothing was happening at my 38 week appointment. I decided to strip my membranes. And I did this because I was thinking I was going to go late. And so I was thinking if I strip my membranes, then hopefully like that helps get it moving to help me not go like extremely late. And that was a Monday morning. And after my mom flew in that day, So like I knew she was coming in that day and maybe that's why I like mentally kind of told her maybe she should come because I knew I was going to strip my membranes, even though like there was no part of me that thought I would put me into labor. And so we picked up my mom from the airport and then we went home and I was like, okay, let's walk. Like we're going to, you know, like again, not thinking I'm going to go into labor, but like just help get things moving in the right direction, get baby in the good position. I actually like went home and pumped a lot. (laughs) Again, not thinking it would put me into labor, but like just trying to help not go crazy overdue. And I remember I had like intense contractions when I was pumping. And with my other girls, I never ever felt contractions until I was strapped to the bed with Pitocin. Like I never ever had a contraction beforehand. So it was like, oh, like I'm having contractions and I'm not in the hospital. So it was kind of weird. Basically, as soon as I stopped doing anything, the contractions also stopped. So obviously not real. The next morning was a Tuesday and like kind of being pissed. Like I feel totally normal. Like that did nothing. We decided to do some meal prepping. And so me and my mom went to Costco and this was like in the afternoon, probably like four or five. And I remember like walking around Costco being like, I wasn't saying anything. And I remember thinking like, am I having contractions? Like Again, I never had contractions unless I was in the hospital bed. Which always makes me crack up that you keep it to yourself. (laughs) I know. I'm so silent about it all. I don't tell anybody. You are. She would ask me all the time, like, check in. And I'd be like, no, like, I'm good. Like, nothing. (laughs) 
I don't know You're why. So funny. Like a protection I don't know why. I, I don't want to look dumb. Like I was like totally having them in Costco, but like just very sporadically, like every like 45 minutes or something, you know, I'd be like, oh, like maybe, maybe there's one just very light, you know, having contractions at dinner. And I remember like putting the kids in their pajamas and like kind of almost thinking like I'm putting them to bed and I'm going to go have a baby. But like also like maybe not like again, I'm not saying anything to anybody. This is just like all in my head. Um, <laughs> Your own dialogue. Inside. I know. <laughs> I put them to bed at like seven and then I go to the bathroom and I lose my mucus plug. Again, something I had never done on my third baby. And I was like, there was no guessing like what it was. I was like, oh my gosh, it was kind of bloody, you know. Again, I just like flushed it and didn't even tell Michael. I was just sitting on my yoga ball in our room. Like my mom had went to bed. Kids were in bed. It's like eight o'clock now. While I'm bouncing on the ball, I'm tracking my contractions on my phone and no one knows. They're getting like a little bit more regular. Like they were getting like closer and closer together. So I text my doula a screenshot of them. They were coming anywhere from five to 10 minutes apart, like 45 seconds to a minute long. That was at 8.15. They were coming now like every five to six minutes apart and they were a full minute long. And so this time I texted my doctor, again, really nice that I had his number. It was 9.15. So it was like getting later and I was like, what do you think I should do? And he was like, well, I think like with your history and because you're so far away, like it doesn't hurt to go get it checked out. At this point, like I'm like, maybe I should tell Michael, like <laughs> maybe I should tell him. <laughs> and so I tell maybe him, I was like, time. Um, like my doctor said, I like, I think I should just go in. And he was like, what? Like, no idea. Just <laughs> ignorance is bliss. But then it was almost like as soon as my doctor sent that text and like my body was like, oh, maybe this is real. Like everything stopped. No more labor. And I was like, OK, well, maybe that was nothing. See, like this is why I'm not telling anybody like actually stopped. I think I just got so nervous and like excited that he was like, maybe she maybe you should go in. I sat there for like another like 45 minutes and I was like, no, they're like kind of like gone. It stopped like I freaked myself out. But then it was getting really late and my mom was going to come to the hospital with me, but my kids needed to be taken to my sister-in-law's house, which was like an hour away. I should tell people now, like before they're falling asleep, if I'm going to go in. Yeah. So I just went and told my mom, I'm like, I think we're going to go in and get checked. Like, it's probably nothing. But like, I just want to like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight if I don't go in and get a check. So I remember like checking in and being like, I think I'm in labor. Like, I don't know. Again, I was induced all my other times. So I don't know. And they're like, Girl, yeah, your third, you need help. So they put me in triage. We get there at 1130. I was four centimeters. If you want to like walk the halls or like just hang out and we'll come back and check you. And I was like, OK, like they're going to send me home. Like walk the halls from 1130 to 1215. So for about 45 minutes. And I remember there was another girl walking in the halls with me and like she was absolutely not in labor like I could just like me seeing her made me realize like okay maybe I am in labor because like she was mm, just like chilling yeah. like she was just walking like, <laughs> as I was walking around more and more I remember like getting a few being like okay like nope there's one like it was getting harder and harder to walk around just towards the end of the 45 minutes so I went back in at 12 15 and checked again in triage and I was six centimeters and fully effaced so they're like okay like we're checking in and so I texted my mom and I was like, I'm staying. I text my doula and I text my photographer. And I had gone to this hospital specifically, one for my doctor, but two because they had tubs. So I get checked in the room. My nurse was so sweet and like so nice that she knew I wanted to do new natural. She knew I was coming like a home birth transfer. I brought my own clothes to change into, which right off the bat made me feel like so much more comfortable. And then I remember the whole reason I switched to the hospital with this growth was they were worried that it was going to constrict the blood flow out of the umbilical cord because it was right where the umbilical cord went into the placenta. So they wanted me on continuous monitoring. What no one 
told me was if I was on continuous monitoring, I would not be able to get in the tub. So they literally put an inch of water in the tub and they were like, okay, here you go. And I was like, that's worse than anything. Like I'm freezing. So contractions like we're picking up at this point said sayonara to the tub because it was awful. I just remember being like so excited, which is such a different feeling than what I had when I was going into labor with Phoebe. We were all just like happy and chatting. And I remember like leaning over the bed, like on my yoga ball, like smiling and like telling stories and just like hanging out. And it was just so much fun. It was so funny. My nurse came in at like three and said that my doctor had called and said like he couldn't sleep and he was wondering if I had come in and gotten admitted because he knew I had texted him which I just thought was so sweet so she came back and checked me at 320 I was eight centimeters I was like whoa like I'm whoa I'm doing great like I feel so great like I'm ready to like kick it up a notch going kind of slow for me again it's like two hours in (laughs) And like, I was doing great. So I was like, why don't you break my water? I don't think I really realized like how much faster and how much harder it was going to get. Mm. So at 345, he broke my water. I just remember it being so much water. I knew I had a lot of amniotic fluid, but it like literally just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. It was like out of the movies. I was like, yeah, that's why I was giant. I knew it was going to get harder, but it definitely did. And I like remember saying like, oh my gosh, like why is it so much harder this time? And I remember feeling like I needed to push like I was the same feeling I had with Phoebe was like, okay, like she's there. I need to push. And like, I had them check me again. And he was like, no, like you're not quite ready. You're not full. And I remember being like, so irritated. Like, then why does my body like feel like it needs to push? And I had like a little cervical lip. And so he like went up and like kind of held it out of the way for it to go the rest of the way. And then I was fine. And again, I was on my hands and knees and then I flipped back to my back. It was almost just like a comfort thing that I wanted to do Mm -hmm. that I flipped back on my back. I want to say I was pushing, but I don't really push my babies. They just kind of come. So she came out and I screamed only once with her. So I didn't get my goal of not screaming at all, but I only screamed once and it was like right as she was coming out and it wasn't like blood curdling or anything like it was with Phoebe. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like a little rar, like a little power rar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I broke my water at 345. She was born at 4.15. So 30 minutes later, went from so fast to her being born. And they were so nice about me delaying her cord clamping and everything. They didn't give me crap like my first doctor did. And we did all of that. What's funny is at birth, she looked like Phoebe. And you can hear it in our video saying like, oh, she looks just mm-hmm. like Phoebe. But then like the next day she didn't. She looked like Milan. After I had her, I obviously had to birth the placenta, which my other births, I never even felt like at all. Yeah. But I had this growth on my placenta that it literally felt like I was birthing another head. So I remember like holding her being like, oh my gosh, like why does it hurt again? And it was the placenta. And when it came out, I mean, it was the size of a newborn's head. Like it was so large and it felt like I mean, luckily it was squishier than a newborn's head, but yeah, that was so weird. And her name is Della Rue. I had first heard it in Age of Adeline. And I remember walking out of the movie theater being like, I love that name. That's her nickname in that movie. Rue is just because it's cute. We actually like had so many ideas with her for her middle name. Just thought Della Rue was so cute. It fits her so well. I feel like all my girls like now knowing them, it just fits their names really well we almost named her goldie but goldie fox sounds like goldilocks so that was a no okay on to my third henley she was born early i got earlier like by the week with each baby which was kind of wild but i feel like it's all really crucial to say that because it like leads into like why i think fallon's was the way that it was kind of funny third time mom still don't know what the freak you're doing I was 34 weeks and two days and I thought my fluid was leaking 
And so mm-hmm. I went into the hospital because I was just so paranoid that I was having leakage. No, I was just peeing myself. <laughs> so that happened to me once. Embarrassing. <laughs> with what baby? It was with Phoebe. <laughs> went in and I got checked. But honestly, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that that happened because, like I said, it was at 34 weeks. And I discovered that I was two and a half centimeters dilated. I know that dilation obviously can mean absolutely nothing. And I mean, I really learned that lesson with my fourth baby. But for me, dilation always meant something. And it was like really a telltale sign for me when labor was coming. Just a week later at 35 weeks, I got checked at my appointment and I was three and a half centimeters. I remember just like really, really trying to be so positive with that news but I remember inside feeling so terrified she was born at 35 weeks everything started in the evening with her I was getting the kids ready for bed basically since I got that monitoring done I just kind of decided you're gonna lay low just to be safe I started to feel contractions my back started aching pretty bad and I was like oh my gosh there's no way that this is real like I'm only 35 weeks I need to go at least another week anyways I put the kids to bed we had a really long driveway at that house and I remember just going and like walking casually up and down the driveway I wanted to see if this was real and if it was going to pick up or not and it did (laughs) it picked up and then I went in and I laid down on the couch and I started timing things and it was picking up pretty dang quick. We did end up going to the hospital because this hospital, we were in Cleveland at the time, Cleveland, Ohio. And so this hospital was like 25, 30 minutes away from the house. So I decided to go in pretty early. I really wish that I documented her birth better. I don't have it written down like what I was dilated at when I got there. But this hospital was kind of interesting because they were like more lax with certain protocols but then like they were really strict like I have no video of Henley being Mm. born which was really sad because I did of Carly and Paxton and I didn't know that that was their policy until Cameron pulled the camera out when I was pushing but like I was 35 weeks and like night and day difference from when I went into the hospital with my fourth Fallon who had very strict like oh you're not 37 weeks yet like no we're not doing so anything. with Henley. Yeah, I, I was admitted at 35 weeks, obviously dilated enough to be admitted and contractions were regular and close together. I do remember I didn't get admitted quite yet. They wanted to keep me monitored because obviously it was still early. And so I was hooked up to monitors for probably about an hour. And they said, if things progress in this hour, we'll keep you. Otherwise, you'll go home. I remember being so indifferent at that time. Like I was so done and like so exhausted being pregnant. I I just like didn't want to go home and like do another day with like Mm -hmm. two crazy toddlers. Like I was just so tired. Um, But I also was very aware and like hypersensitive to the fact that she was early and basically was just kind of mentally preparing for NICU time with her. Mm -hmm. I got a steroid shot in the hospital with Henley. Mm. Everything gets really fuzzy from here on out because Fallon's birth is like intertwined so much. Yeah, but like there's just so many details to that one that like it's really just, yeah, I just like can't keep track. But yeah, no. So Henley, I was only able to get one round of steroid shots, which when you get, if you know, if you get steroid shots to help the baby's lungs progress, um, like develop more, you're supposed to get two rounds, I think typically within 48 hours of each other. Mm. But obviously like that wasn't going to happen. I didn't have the time on my hands to get the second round. Kind of a miracle that she was 35 weeks and only had the one round in her lungs. I mean, spoiler alert for (laughs) future. She was totally fine. 
Um, but during the labor, like I didn't know that. And so I was just anticipating a lot. And they basically told me they were prepping me that whole labor. If she comes out not screaming, you can't have her on your chest. We're going to have to take her. And I, yeah, I just went into a tailspin at that point. Like I was not okay. And I was freaking out and I was just praying and praying, please, please like have her be screaming when she comes out. Yeah. What's also crazy too is I learned my body pretty well with the first two deliveries and kind of like you were saying, when your water breaks, things really pick up. And I knew that about myself. I had asked them after some, some time, it had been hours at that point, And I had asked them, can you please break my water? Like, I want this to start picking up. I don't remember exactly everything. All I remember is they said, if we break your water, there's a chance the umbilical cord could slip out when that happens. And mm. then we're like risking a lot. I don't know why or how yeah. they knew, could have known that. I felt like it was kind of a fear tactic. And yeah, totally. Because again, the moment, people's water breaks all the time. All the time. And all the time. You're fine. Yeah. And I didn't mention with Paxton's, mine didn't break before the hospital. It broke in the hospital when I had already been admitted. So his was like later, but like as soon as his, my water broke with him, like it was go time. Yeah. Time to start pushing. So yeah, I just, I learned that about my body and, and I just knew like if I can break my water, like this will be so much better. They said that and I was already just so incredibly paranoid with her gestation and just wanting to protect her as much as I could that I listened to that. And I I wish I would have advocated more and like said, no, let's do it. So we opted for Pitocin, which this is really where I learned so much compassion for you because I had never been on Pitocin before and whoa. Yeah, absolutely horrific contractions. I remember even texting you and you asked me like what level I was at and you were like, you're maxed out. You've got it all. Yeah. And I was ticked about that because like the way they had described it to me was that it was going to be a pretty slow roll and like I was going to move up like maybe every 30 minutes to an hour to the next level. So I thought like, oh, we have all night, you know? Yeah. I also remember kind of being really hard on myself during that labor because it was a longer. So Harley was 13 hours, Paxton was six hours, and Henley's ended up being 13 hours. Mm. I really think like after the fact, maybe she needed that because she yeah. needed that steroid shot to kind of marinate a little longer or something. Yeah. Like we never know. And and so I, I just try to chalk it up to like anything positive that I can to make me feel good about it. But I did. I felt really defeated. I felt like I wasn't getting what I wanted out of this labor. And we were sitting around waiting. I remember the nurse being so incredibly nice to us and she hung out in the room a lot with us, which I think like really helped calm my nerves. She was never the type of nurse that like said things that made me like hopeful or whatever. She was just there to like be my friend. Basically. I remember Khloe Kardashian had just delivered at this exact same hospital in Cleveland. Do you remember that? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, she delivered literally two doors down from us. And I, of course, Kardashian fan for life. Like I was so obsessed with that fact. Part of us too was kind of like, okay, can you go? Like we have two little kids at home. We are never alone. Like give us some alone time. Yeah. But I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise that she was there with us so much. I was on the Pitocin for what felt like an eternity. And I remember in the middle of that labor, I FaceTimed my mom. And we were just chatting. At this point, I had had my epidural. So, okay, I got to kind of go back a little bit. I got my epidural. And I remember telling the anesthesiologist, I don't feel it flowing on my right side. You can really, like, you can feel it happening. Interesting. And, yeah. And I said, like, 
I don't feel anything happening on my right side. Like I feel completely normal. There's not like that rush. I'm not feeling anything. And they're like, oh, just give it time. And we'll also kind of switch sides you're laying on and like it'll flow. Like this is totally normal. The entire labor, I had no pain relief on that side. And I kept telling them and kept telling them. And so we were just switching sides with the peanut ball. There was even a point they sat me up completely straight up in the bed which was terrifying because I'm numb. And like, what if I slip out? They do make you very, very safe when you do that. But that was what progressed me the most was sitting straight up in my bed. I was on the phone with my mom. We were FaceTiming. And I remember I was laying on whichever side. I think I was on my left side. And then I switched to my right side or vice versa. I can't remember. But in the middle of that phone call, I switched sides. And I just went completely white I had felt like the biggest shift in my body and like the most pain I had ever, ever been in in my life. It was so awful. And I think I went into like shock. I think my body just tensed up so fast because I didn't understand what was happening to me. And like this was such a foreign feeling for me. It was literally like someone turned a faucet on. Tears were coming out of my eyes that wasn't, I couldn't even feel that happening. It was just, they were just coming and coming. And I was like, mom, I gotta go. I gotta go. Like I hung up on her. I didn't even tell her what was happening. I was like, I gotta go. So I hung up on her. I was trying to call them and like tell them to come in the room because I was feeling like the most insane pain I had ever felt. And they checked me and I was fully out of 10. Like mm. it was go time. And I had zero relief from my epidural anymore. And I kept telling mm. them, I'm trying to push the button. I'm trying to get more. And they were like, no, it's done. It's failed. Like you're not going to get any more. I was like, okay, bring him back in here. Like, let's do another one. And they were like, no, like there's no time to do another one. Like you're there. Yeah. And I wish that I would have like been more knowledgeable that that is something that can happen. And I didn't know anyone yeah. that that had happened to. After the fact, I mean, I've heard this happening to so many women and they know that it's a common thing. I didn't have the knowledge of that happening. I didn't know that it was a possibility. I really felt like, okay, I got my epidural. Like I got it in the bag. Like this is just going to be great. That's all I need. And then I'm going to have my baby and that's it. And especially because that experience with Paxton was so wonderful. Yeah, I just was so naive. She came very, very fast. I don't even think I pushed with her. She just flew out of me at that point. (laughs) I feel really sad that that happened mainly because, well, for one, she looks completely different than my other two had looked. She did. They came out with darker hair, but like at home, the babies I tucked into bed that night, bleach blonde, like so blonde. It was summer. Like we had been outside a lot. So like, and she came out and she was so dark. Mm-hmm. And I did delay cord clamping with her and with Paxton. I, did your babies, did it change their skin tone for like the first week or so? Oh, I don't know. Okay. With Parley, I didn't delay cord clamping. But with them, I did. And I, I don't remember what I did with Fallon. But with them, I did. And I remember hearing that like that extra red blood cells, like my kids looked red when they were Mm. born like their bodies and they stayed red like for like the first week so she did she was just this like dark little baby with like the darkest like so much hair and I remember them kind of teasing Cameron like asking if he was the dad which was like so (laughs) sad (laughs) but so rude because like which is funny because like I know I know can Can you you imagine imagine if they're like making a joke out of it and we're like "Uh, actually (laughs) actually yeah no so awkward but it's so funny because it's like she looks so much like him it's wild yeah she was just the sweetest most beautiful newborn to me and so 
I'm sad that I had a moment of disconnect. So this is kind of like a part of it that I, I really wanted to touch on because I know how real that can be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know I've heard a lot of women say like, yeah, when they put my baby on my chest and they say like, you will never experience a love like that. Like I didn't feel that right away. Yeah. I did with Parley and Paxton, but I'm also like, it doesn't take me very long to get attached to basically anything. And so of course, like it wasn't hard for me, but with Henley, I think just the whirlwind of what happened at the tail end Mm -hmm. and like being so unprepared. And then she came out looking like so different. The video that Cameron, so basically once I pushed her out, they said we could video. And so So he did get a video, I know, uh, right as she was placed on my chest. And I also wasn't allowed to be on FaceTime during that delivery, but I think we were able to FaceTime my mom back. I can't remember. I'll have to ask her. She was on FaceTime for Fallon's birth. So again, it just gets kind of fuzzy. But in that video of them handing me Henley and she did come out screaming. So I got her right away. Mm. I just was not myself. And really looking at it, I'm like, that's not Brinkley in there. Like that's someone else. Yeah, Um, you weren't there. It wasn't like my typical nurturing side. I was like, what is this on her? Like so paranoid about things and I remember they did take her and they took her across the room and they were checking her making sure she was fine and I remember them holding her up like this and I have pictures of her being held up like that I remember them holding her up and I was still like what the freak just happened and looking over at her and I was like that's not mine like yeah it did. It took me a minute to connect with her. But I do remember once I got wheeled to postpartum, I was on Marco with you and our girlfriends. Mm-hmm. It was a like really big moment that like changed things for me because I remember showing you guys her and like telling you guys what happened. And I looked at her and I was like, she's so sweet. I'm like, I can't believe she's mine. But I remember looking at her and I was like, she's a Henley. Like that's her name and like it fits her. And like, she's so precious and I'm so grateful she's here. And the bond came. Mm -hmm. Um, for her but that hospital again with the policies though I remember like the nurse would come in and say like we don't do swaddling anymore and like she would unswaddle my swaddle do you remember that yeah I was ticked because I was like an avid swaddler and I was proud of my swaddle and like I was like no I swaddle my babies like yeah I believe in this and and that was kind of funky with that but that was her she was born at 35 weeks she needed no NICU time no oxygen like she She was was just a miracle baby parlene paxton both had jaundice and we checked out of the hospital with no jaundice with her oh my gosh crazy a few days later when i took her to the pediatrician she did have high bilirubin Mm. levels so she we did end up doing lights on her at home her name henley dawn i remember there was a boutique on instagram called shop Mm -hmm. henley but it was spelled h-e-n-l-y and i loved the font i thought it was just so cute i also remember you know, the shirts with like a few buttons. It's like a mm-hmm. t-shirt with some buttons. Those are called Henley shirts. I remember seeing that on a clothing tag and thinking that that was so cute. Her middle name, Dawn, is after my mom. I've always loved that name. I love um one syllable middle names. Yeah. I don't know why. We're going to skip straight into my next one, Fallon Renee. That's my fourth baby. I'm going to kind of go into her pregnancy a little bit just because her pregnancy has so much to do with her birth. This was November of 2020, and I remember feeling what I thought was contractions at night. And I told Cameron, I think I posted on my Instagram stories. Like, How far along were you? This was November, early. and she was born in February. Way early. So, like, way too early to be feeling that. <laughs> like, probably, like, 25 weeks, probably. Yeah, I remember posting on my Instagram stories, 
I think I was like maybe assuming it was Braxton Hicks, but like still not quite sure because I hadn't really experienced Braxton Hicks with my other babies. Like once it was, I felt, yeah, once I felt any contraction, it was labor for me. So again, it's like funny. It's like you can be a fourth time mom, but things can and be still so good don't for know. you. Yeah, yeah. You still don't know what the heck you're doing. <laughs> So I felt those. I felt so silly, but luckily I did have, why did I have a high risk appointment that day? I think they just automatically marked you as high risk because of Henley. You're right. Thank you. Right? Yeah. You're probably going to need to be helping me a lot on this one. Fallon's story is so hard for me to keep track. Yes. Okay. So yeah, because I posted the next day and I said my appointment with our high risk doctor this morning confirmed I was contracting yesterday. And I was even contracting during my ultrasound scan that morning, which was crazy. I remember like they scanned me. I went into his office, sat down and he said, well, you you were contracting during that scan. And I was like, no, like just absolutely shocked. I couldn't even oh my believe it. And then he was like, so probably what you were feeling last night was that as well. So all I posted was like, luckily, the contractions are not affecting my cervix right now. Fountain's healthy and strong, 95th percentile, which all of my babies were in the top top tier percentile they were all big which I don't think I shared Henley's weight but Henley was seven pounds four ounces at At, 35 weeks yeah crazy full term size literally full term bigger than a lot of people I know that deliver bigger than my kids yeah that's crazy some of them imagine if I went to 40 like I would have like 11 pounders that was November 11th and then on November 20th I posted 25 weeks with Fallon okay yeah So on that day, I went in for another check with a high-risk doctor, and in just one week's time, my cervix shortened from 37 millimeters to 25 millimeters, and really, I didn't know what the heck that meant. Like, I didn't know about funneling. I didn't know about your cervix shortening. Like, all I heard about was, like, thinning out. Like, I just knew nothing. Um, I didn't know that they took measurements of your cervix. Like, it was all very new for me, but... Yeah. So in just a week's time, it had shortened. And so I said, the contractions are starting to progress me, which is what we feared. So that's when I started progesterone. The hard part about this was I was moving in the middle of my pregnancy across the country again. So we were Mm -hmm. still in Cleveland, Ohio, and we, Cameron's job had moved him to Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is where we are currently. And so I had already been set up with a great care team here from what I was told. And so I was really confident in like my transition. The high risk doctor was not thrilled that I was moving across the country driving oh, myself. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, was not super thrilled, but he did say like, there are things that you can do to make this okay. And so I bought like a butt pillow for the car <laughs> because I had like, obviously my cervix was an issue, but I also had like crazy pelvic issues with this pregnancy. So that really saved me. I also wore like really tight compression socks on that drive. Mm -hmm. And then basically he told me like, you need to be aware of hospitals along your way. So not only like mapping out like restaurants and like hotels to stay at, but like we mapped out hospitals as well, just to be safe. I drove across the country. Cameron drove our moving truck and I drove with three kids in the car. Um, Still like looking back on that time, like I really don't know how we got through it. Also like adrenaline. total adrenaline and honestly just such excitement like we were so excited to move back west and was able to transfer to the high-risk doctors here in New Mexico and again just like constant monitoring I was still on progesterone but I remember feeling so defeated throughout the pregnancy because I was having contractions every single day yeah and I remember you being like they're not really helping yeah no it was like it was really frustrating because 
I think they were helping in the sense that like, obviously I wasn't dilating. I wasn't going into preterm yeah. labor and all of that stuff, but it was such a mind game at that point. And like my body was exhausted every single day. I spent as much time in bed as I possibly could. Flash forward to 35 weeks and two days. I had a doctor's appointment and I was four centimeters and 60% effaced. Which they is told like me. what you were with all of your other kids and you had a baby. Like in literally like had epidurals at that point. Like yeah. crazy. They told me like she's engaged. She's low. She's ready. Like she's going to come. And then I think I had you fly out at like 36 weeks. Yeah. No. I think I came. I think I came out like pretty quickly after you figured out you were at that 34. Or at four centimeters because all of your other yes. kids you had like. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Because I was going to say I remember you being here for two weeks. Which yeah. I felt awful, you guys. Don't I feel like awful. don't feel bad at all. But I know awful. how you feel because that was me with I my know. brother. We were just on baby watch at that point. I yeah, really we really felt thought like it was, was going to be like any day if it was anything yeah. like your other labors. I feel like where we felt like you had some predictability is all of your other labors like followed like a really good pattern. And I think that's what was so hard about everything with Fallon and like why I kind of tease about oh my labors got worse is because like you think that you should know everything and like it should be fine and okay but like this was completely out of my control like there was nothing we did wrong in the sense of we just followed my body's cues because that's what my body did for three other kids like yeah we really thought this I also wanted to point out I was set up to deliver at an all women's birthing hospital essentially completely just women's hospital and I for the first time had a midwife instead of an OBGYN and I was excited about that because I always kind of more connect with that like warm and fuzzy Mm -hmm. bedside manner and really just believed that that was the care that I was gonna get from all of this I made it to 36 weeks I was still at a four and 60 percent based at that appointment which is we were shocked We were shocked. My 36-week appointment was February 2nd. And then on February 4th, I posted that I had been in labor for 30 hours. So it must have been like the third. We went to the park. Things happened. Yeah. So you stayed home to work on work stuff. And Cameron was off that day, took the kids to the park. I curb walked on my way to the park. We decided to go to the park because I was feeling contractions, which still wasn't new, but these ones did feel a lot different to me. And it wasn't just like a contraction randomly and then not one. They were like falling to patterns. There was a pattern. So we walked to the park. I remember like I was beat by the time I got to the park. Even on the way there, I was like, I think this is it, Cam. Like I think we're going to the hospital today. And he was like, okay, let's just get there and just see what happens. And so we got there. I remember just sitting at the park table. Oh my gosh, I'm wrecked. I'm so exhausted. And I would sit and I would just listen to my body and like, try to understand what was happening and it was consistent and so I was like let's go like we weren't even there very long enough yeah I remember you being like we're coming back yeah you were like okay what (laughs) yeah like oh okay I still kind of like waited a little bit when we Mm -hmm. got there I was kind of like I don't know and but yeah we decided to go we were like a couple minutes away from the hospital and my contractions were not even a minute apart like they were so fast no breaks And I was telling Cameron, go. And he's not an aggressive driver at all. I always joke that he's like a granny driver. And I was like, you have to be aggressive. You have to get me there. Like there was a lot of traffic where like downtown where this hospital was. And I have to add too, the hospital was 45 minutes away from my house. Yeah. 45 minutes away. And so that was another part of my paranoia was one, I've delivered early babies. Two, I was also hyped up because we moved somewhere with extremely high elevation 
And so he basically said, you're not adapted. It takes six months to adapt to our elevation. You're not adapted because you just moved here, let alone like you're delivering a your new baby. baby. And so he said, even like babies that are like adapted to this because the mom has lived here forever and like their full term, they go on oxygen right when they're born. Like it's just it's like crazy. normal here. There was just so many elements that I just felt like, oh my gosh, what are the chances that like I'm going to deliver at the hospital? I'm going to get my epidural. I'm going to have a no NICU baby. I'm going to not have my babies put on oxygen, right? Yeah. You know, There's just comes. a lot like, of moving parts. So freaking much. Okay. So I did post, we've officially been in labor for 30 hours. My body keeps going through waves of intense, consistent contractions and then some more spread out, still dilated to a six. Yeah. I think they, when you got there, they checked you and you were a six and we were like, oh, like they're keeping you. Like Go time. Yeah. Like no yeah, question. Right. And then like, I remember like an hour or so later, you were like, they're sending me home. Like they yeah. want to send me home. And we were like, what? Like, like contractions had slowed down and like almost stopped. But almost like they stopped. were also like, they were kind of mean to you. And oh, it was horrible. Like it was not a good situation. And so like, yeah, naturally your contractions are going to slow down and stop. But then like Mm -hmm. they were just like, yeah, not super welcoming. They were kind of like blunt, like, well, this is what it is. Like you're going to go home. And Mm -hmm. so now you're thinking you're going to drive an hour home, not know when to come back because here you are having active contractions. And like they're telling you that I had had my whole pregnancy. I mean, I told them I was like, how am I supposed to know when to come back. If I feel one contraction, like my paranoia is going to shoot through the yeah. roof. How am I supposed to know? And their answer for me, if your water breaks, I'm like, okay, really? Like, <laughs> some people's water break doesn't break until the very end. Exactly. Yeah. They were just so like I, not caring that like, okay, do I drive yeah. home an hour? Like when am I supposed to know when I've come back? Because I'm having regular active hard contractions, but like you're yeah. telling me to go home. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was wild because so I was telling to them, I was like, I live 45 minutes away. I am a fourth time mother. And you just told me I'm dilated to a six. Yeah. And you want to send me home. Their biggest hospital policy was You're I early. was not 37 weeks. I was too yeah. early. Basically, I was given options. I remember they put me on. I know to- they put you on morphine and magnesium. Morphine. You're right. Basically to stop Knocked the contractions. Okay. So this is the thing. This is what was so frustrating. The way they described this was that it was going to help me get some sleep and help my body get rest that I desperately needed. Because literally at this point, I had had contractions every two to four minutes for 30 hours. Yeah. I was dilated to a six and I had already had such a hard pregnancy. Yeah. And so I welcomed the morphine. I was like, let's do it. Like, knock me out. They told me if it's true labor, your contractions will wake you you up. Not true. After I told you this you're at my house watching my babies and you're like, no, like yeah, I was this like, is that not stop labor. That's what they give to people to stop it. Yeah. Which and they I essentially did, but in a sneaky they way. Did. And I instantly felt so unsafe. And I remember some family members even telling me, go somewhere else. Yeah. You need to go to a different hospital. And maybe you even told me this too. A big deterrent for that is because I had already had like my COVID test. I was already hooked up to an IV. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to have to leave to go somewhere else, not knowing their protocol, have to get another COVID test, have to get hooked up to another IV. Cameron could not leave. So like you guys were there for so long and Cameron couldn't even leave to like go get you guys food. We both couldn't. I asked them if I could go walk the hallways and they said no. So I literally paced my room to try to help progress myself. 
And then it was weird because they were like, we can't help you progress because I asked for a ball to bounce on. Nope, we can't bring you a ball. They refused to pump. I asked them if I could pump. Then like one of the nurses came in. She rubbed some essential oils on my feet to try to help me. It was a nightmare. I sobbed like all my eyelashes off. I had just gotten my nails done and I literally ripped the acrylic nails off of my nails. Mm. Like I was just full of so, so much stress. I remember we slept that night. I also remember another weird thing that I felt like their confidence in me was not there was they kept feeding me. They Mm. kept bringing me trays of food and I had never had a labor experience where I was allowed to eat. And I just felt so defeated because I was like, I am a fourth time mom. Like I thought that that carried some weight. They were kind of saying I had choices. Like I could either stay at the hospital for safety, basically, because I was worried about an out of hospital birth. And they were basically like, if you go into labor anytime, like you're already here. If you do hit 37 weeks, then we can help intervene and like help you progress your labor. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get to 37 weeks. I'm six centimeters dilated. I'm fully a face. Like there's no way. Or you can go home. And at that point, like I didn't even see how going home could have been like an option for me. I really thought I'm either going to have this baby at home. I'm going to have this baby in the car. Yeah. And those were my only options if I went home. I mean, in hindsight, I totally could have gone home and been okay. But But like at the time that seemed like crazy. Crazy. Another part of it too which I think played a huge role in this is Fallon was sunny side up. They had taken me to the high risk doctor in the hospital. And that was the first time that I really felt like they cared. And they told me that she was in the wrong position. And so when we got back to my hospital room, Cameron and I did, we researched and like YouTube, I was texting yeah. you, what can I do? Because we thought that that was what was stalling the labor was her positioning yeah we were able to flip her by the next day and I was still stalled for days we were able to flip her because we had an ultrasound the next day and she was flipped and ready to go and I was like okay it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and it didn't and it didn't and it didn't so we sat in the hospital for a week and it was honestly probably like the worst week of my life like I I genuinely just was so defeated and like so upset and I felt like everyone that walked through my door, because I went through so many nurse and midwife Mm -hmm. changes, I didn't know who was walking in the door and if they were going to be on my side or if they were going to be against me. And it was just like a constant state of like anxiety because I was like, are you here to protect me and advocate for me or are you just going to make me feel stupid? Because I just felt dumb that whole time. They ended up moving us to a more comfortable room where Cameron also had a bed. So that was really nice. I was going stir crazy. Like I just felt so trapped. I remember like having things delivered to me. Like I had a target order delivered to me for like nail polish and like puzzles, like anything to keep me occupied. It was just horrible and every day like someone would come in and they'd be like you could sneeze and she's just gonna fall right out of you like everybody was just saying like all of these things that really made me feel like it was happening at any minute at any moment like I can't go home it's gonna happen at any second like and then it just wasn't it just kept going and going and going and I really feel like that fear like and that like stress like really did like stall Stall everything we did find out that I was like severely anemic so for three days in a row I got IVs of iron, which even after getting three full IVs of iron, I still was severely anemic when they tested me. And they were so painful. Like my arm was in so much pain from this. It was insane. I think we ended up moving my IV site a couple times as well 
just so that my arms could like take breaks each day. They push the iron through like a syringe into your IV and they have to do it really slow. It's super thick, it's black, and you can literally feel it. And it is so painful. I felt like my arm was going to fall off, but I felt like it was kind of a blessing in disguise and like that like God was looking out for me because I was like, okay, I couldn't get these IVs of iron at home. And I had like a massive risk of hemorrhaging if I didn't take care of this issue. However, I did still hemorrhage. Fast forward to February 9th, 2021. And I was 37 weeks that day. Delivery day, I remember really trying to advocate for myself and tell them, I'd like to induce my labor with you breaking my water. And I remember you and I were like on the phone about this, like just absolutely shocked by their response. Yeah, because I remember your midwife saying like, I would rather put you on Pitocin than break your water. And I was thinking like a midwife is saying she'd rather give you synthetic chemicals than do what your body is naturally going to do that, you know, has worked well in the past. Like that makes no sense. It felt really backwards because I was like, yeah, I would think an OB would push Pitocin and a midwife would be like, yeah, let's break your water. It's more natural. Like I really expected not only that response, but also just again, like another, you know, your body, this is your fourth baby. We're going to do what you want. And I really, really thought that this was going to happen. I believe at one point I also asked if I could have someone else come in. Because the midwife that ended up being on call the day I delivered was the midwife that was on call the day I entered the hospital. And she was the one that told me she was going to send me home. And I was like, you are not delivering this baby. You could tell she was not on your side. At that point, like because of Henley's birth and like it being so unexpected, I was terrified of Pitocin. We started the Pitocin. I was so scared. I was so afraid. So I got my epidural before I got the Pitocin. I told them, if you're giving me Pitocin, I want my epidural beforehand. I remember the Pitocin really kicking in very, very quickly. Your blood pressure dropped a lot, right? My blood pressure dropped a ton. When your blood pressure drops, it feels like very much so like an anxiety attack. After like an hour, I asked them, break my water, and they finally said yes. So I was (laughs) on Pitocin for an hour. They broke my water. Exactly as I said, they broke my water, and I was ready to push in 15 minutes. Like literally within 15 minutes, I was at a 10, and it was time. I remember hurting. I felt things with that one. Not like Henley's with Fallon's it didn't feel good at all I thought she had flipped sunny side up again or something because in my video you can hear me say you can see my lips I said is she stuck I did appreciate the midwife letting me reach down she said do you want to pull her out and I was like yeah that's my dream I remember watching and like as soon as she said okay grab her you can pull her out the nurse next to me laid my bed back And so my hands were on Fallon while she was coming out, but I didn't get to pull her out because she was laying back and I was like, I can't, I'm talking away from the mic, but literally as I'm laying back, I can't reach her anymore. So I remember my, my hands were on her shoulders as she was coming out, but obviously she's going away from me. So they slipped down and I couldn't touch her anymore. And that made me so sad because I felt like out of everything that happened, if anything can be redeemed, like I want to say I pulled her out myself. She was born and she was perfect. No jaundice, no issues at all. She was 37 weeks. She was seven pounds, eight ounces. But I remember thinking like, geez, I went through a lot and I felt so diminished. Yeah, I did. I just, I felt like so not cared for as a female, as a woman, like as a mother that's given birth. I just remember thinking like, it's all in the past now. Like she was so worth every single second of misery and every single second I self-doubted. Everyone goes through it. Like we all go through like self-doubt in our pregnancies, our labors, like our 
motherhood, we're always doubting ourselves, but it's worth it. That's why we still do it, right? I think birth is so interesting because it really gives us like the first little taste into like what parenting is like. Yeah. Where you just doesn't go the way you plan. No, you just really have to like humble yourself and let the Mm -hmm. chips fall where they may advocate for yourself. But really like things just come. They just come as they come. Having that perspective, even though I'm still very sad, like I'm very sad that that was my final experience. We're done with our family and like it makes me want another baby. But like I know that's so silly because like I do not want to go through all of this again. I'm happy with my four kids, but it is. It's so sad. And I think having that perspective of it really is not your control every single Mm -hmm. time. And like it's okay. And you're not less than just because it didn't go the way you wanted to or even the way that it went before. Like, yeah, I think it can be so easy to compare your births to your previous births, but they're all unique and different and special in their own way. And even if you had like a really, really hard birth, I know that we can all look back and go. I know why that happened or like, I'm okay that it turned out that way. It's fine now. Her name, Fallon. I don't remember where I first heard it, but I just love it. I know. I don't either. I I remember you bringing it up to me, but. Yeah. I expected more people to say, oh, from Jimmy Fallon, but I don't get that at all. Which I'm glad because, I mean, I love Jimmy Fallon, but like I would never name my daughter after him. Yeah. (laughs) Her middle name, Renee, is after Cameron's mom. We never like really used just a name from her because we did Bryn for Parley. For Fallon, we wanted to kind of give another ode to her. So sweet. If you guys are birth junkies like we are, like we just love hearing birth stories. So send us DMs with yours and all the good things. We just can't get enough of it. Thank you guys so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, we would love you forever if you would subscribe and leave us a rating and review. We do monthly giveaways from these as a thank you. Come hang out with us over on Instagram. Don't forget to look for ways to bloom. We'll see you next week.